0: Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the Kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Father, we want to thank you for this morning that we can be together. I want to thank you for what it is that you have to share with us today. Thank you that every day there's something on your heart for us that you're singing over us, that you delight in us. And I want to thank you this morning that we can come and just place our delight and take delight and enjoy you and your presence and your word. I ask, Father God, as you speak through me this morning, that you would indeed speak through me, that your word would come forth, your message. And I want to pray, Father, that you would meet each and every one of us in the unique situation or circumstances we find ourselves in, that you would meet every one of us at our level of faith, At our level of obedience, Lord God, inspire us, draw us in deeper to who you are, lift us up, Father God, from where we are, that we may grow deeper into you today, that what we hear today will cause something in our heart to shift towards you, and I ask that today in Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who weren't here last week, I highly recommend that you go and pop onto SoundCloud or pop onto iTunes, download that message. Pastor Frank was here, and he ministered a prophetic message for our spiritual family for the time and season that we are in. I know many of you were blessed by that. I know when we prayed for people at the end, there were not many seats that were still filled, and we praise God for that. And we know and we can see that God is moving. For for some time now, my prayer has been for a fresh release of the prophetic word of God within our fellowship, within our spiritual family. Why? Because the prophetic word of God aligns us with His heart and with His plans and with His purposes for our lives as well as for us as a family. Amen? It, bring, it corrects us, not, not in terms of discipline and, oh, you naughty boy, but it corrects us in terms of setting our focus aright, where our focus can go many different ways. And Pastor Frank spoke last week and said and spoke over our fellowship that we are entering a time of divine visitation. And he spoke about some of the things that concerning that, how to identify that, what does divine visitation look like. And, you know, as I sit and I look back, over my journal, over some of the things I've been preaching over the past weeks, we've spoken about things like the prevailing Word of God, the Word that comes out of the mouth of God that prevails, that does something, that brings things into motion. We spoke about Ezekiel and the valley of dry bones and how God put words in His mouth to prophesy. And I think Pastor Frank's message coming just on the heels of that, there's a momentum building and there's an excitement growing within our hearts that God is wanting to do something and pour out something within us Individually, in our personal lives, but also corporately, as a family and as a church. And so Pastor Frank spoke about a time and a season of divine visitation. Now let me ask you, if you are expecting someone to visit you, if I said to you, I was coming to your house, what would you do? Clean up. <laughs> Everything in the cupboard, quickly in the cupboard, in the cupboard, lock the door. <laughs> Don't let him go in the bedroom. Whatever we do. You make preparations, right? You prepare. If you know and you're expecting guests... Why would you go in the bedroom? (laughs) I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But whatever you do, you're not allowed in there. Because that's where we throw and dump everything, you see. Some people have a closet. Some people have a rug. Others have a bedroom. I'm not here to judge, okay? I'm just saying... There's that space we have that becomes very useful when it comes time to prepare, to unclutter, to just put things away so that we can make, be presentable. You prepare when you know someone's coming up. You make sure that, first of all, you make sure that you are there when they show up. That's important. You, you don't forget. You make sure that things are in order. You also organize something to share. If you know somebody's coming, you always... organize something to share. That may be refreshments, coffee, tea, you know, if it's that kind of meeting or if it's lunch, make sure that you have some drinks ready, that we can be refreshed. Uh, It would probably mean you cook or prepare something, whether it's lunch or dinner, or if it's just coffee, you bake something maybe. Do people still do that? I think Woolworths does very well on the fact that people don't do that as much as they used to. But nonetheless, you make sure that there's something there to eat, something that you... Yeah, to share. You also, depending on the kind of meeting, if it's just fellowship, if it's just family, you come together, and coming together is the sake of the meeting. That's the purpose of it. But in other meetings, if I've invited you over to discuss something, I need to make sure that I'm ready, that I'm prepared, that I'm, I, I know what it is that I want to say, I've thought through what we're going to talk about, and I'm, I'm ready to come and present something. Sometimes, if it's for dinner, you'd even make sure that the dishwasher or the sink or the scullery is clean, so that you can put the dishes in there straight away. You make preparations. That's the point I want to make. And if God says that there's a time of visitation taking place, that that there's a time that... and, And I want to say this. You need to listen to last week's message in order to clearly understand what I'm saying here, because I'm not saying God is kind of absent from us and He's going to come visit us and then go... God is with us always. Amen. But there's something special that He wants to impart or to do within our lives impact our lives in an incredible way through his power, through his presence, through his miraculous intervention. And so the key that I want to say is this. All of these things that we've been talking about happen before anybody arrives. You don't wait for somebody to get there and, cl- and then clean up. What's the point? You make preparation before. It's like that old, that old South African joke, on gaan, no and someone invites you over for a braai and you get there at six o'clock, and you're really hungry, and you get the fire is not lit yet, and you go, oh, yo, I hope they've got some snacks. And you get there, and you start chatting, and you listen, listen, are we gonna eat? Yeah, I was going no I was no Gets to eleven o'clock at night, and you say, seriously, listen, I, I don't want to be rude, but are we gonna eat tonight? Yeah, I was going no Boki, take the meat out of the freezer. We're lighting the fire. It's that old joke. You make preparation beforehand so that when it comes time, <laughs> when it comes time, you are ready. I want you to turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Luke, chapter 10. And we're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture. And it says this Luke, chapter 10, from verse 38 to 41. Now it happened that as they went, he, being Jesus, entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. Say distracted. With much serving. The word distracted is an an important word there. It doesn't say that Martha was busy. It says that Martha was distracted by much serving. Now, when you're distracted, that means that you are preoccupied with something else or unable to focus on what you're supposed to be focusing on. Your attention is diverted. You've been sidetracked from what you should be doing. Martha wasn't just busy serving. Martha was distracted by serving. And she approached him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered to her, Martha, Martha. Now, why do you think he said her name twice? Was it like I just said it? Oh, Martha, Martha. Was he exasperated? Or was he perhaps trying to get her attention? Was he perhaps going, Martha, Martha? Yes, yes, what? Just get her to help me serving. Martha, just, Martha, just, just Martha, just, slow down. Wait just a minute. Martha, Martha, you, where am I? You are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing, say one thing. One thing thing is needed. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. The problem that Martha had is that she was clearly not prepared for this visitation. She welcomed him into her home, why? To spend time with him. But then once he was there, she wasn't spending any time with him. She was busy in the kitchen, she was doing this, she was doing that. Too busy to sit down and just enjoy his presence. And so she found herself busy with secondary or less important or less significant things while one thing was needed. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about the one thing. One thing. The primary thing. The most important thing. The thing requiring our focus and our pursuit. You know that there can only be one primary. There can only be one primary. Everything else is secondary. Or tertiary. Or what's the next word? Quadruply. I don't know. Quarterly. I don't know. But there can only be one primary. There can only be one first. There can only be one most important thing. There can be a lot of important things. But there can only be one most important thing. Primary means of chief importance. First. And I'm sure you know as well in your life that it's very easy to be distracted or preoccupied or diverted or sidetracked from our primary thing by many good things. Was Martha doing a bad thing? Martha wasn't sinning. Martha was serving Jesus with great zeal and great passion she probably understood exactly who this was that was in her house and was going all out to impress. In fact, we get that picture not just by what she was doing, but by what she told Jesus to do. I am serving, I am busting my chops here, and my sister's just sitting there doing nothing. Tell her to help me, you're important. We need to be working, we need to be doing things here, right? And she just didn't quite get it. And I think many of us in our walk with God, in our daily lives, even, in, if, even if you bring it down, just to time within our family, we get sidetracked from what is truly important by a lot of stuff, a lot of things, a lot of busyness, that, a lot of worries, a lot of anxieties. It's very interesting that what you prayed this morning, Craig, and what you were leading us in praying concerning these anxieties, these things that we carry with us, these priorities that are not number one but yet are so important to us. What is it that Martha did wrong? Only one thing. She missed the primary thing. She missed the primary or the most important thing. And Jesus calls us to evaluate what it is that we focus our attention on. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 6, please. And here Jesus is teaching his disciples about, you know, just the life that we live. And I think this portion of Scripture, we're not going to read the whole portion of Scripture about worries and anxieties... But Jesus, I think if he spoke it to that time, it's how much more important in our time. Matthew chapter 6, I'll read verse 25. It says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about... In other words, do not be preoccupied with or do not be distracted or sidetracked by your life. I want you to catch that. Do not worry about your life so let me just change that wording because so that we can get a different understanding do not worry about your life do not be sidetracked by your life do not be preoccupied with your life that's powerful me my preference my career my desires my finances my way of wanting to worship. Jesus says, I said, you don't be preoccupied with these things. And he brings it down to the natural things. What you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to go with what you want to do. Don't be preoccupied with those things. What you will eat, what you will drink about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Verse 31. What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Let's pause for a moment. It's really interesting that Jesus says that. These are natural things that every one of us need, right? We need clothes. We need food. And yes, we need to give attention to these things. Food doesn't make itself. The wives are like, Amen. You tell him. It doesn't make itself. Rooms don't clean themselves. Clothes don't automatically get put away in the cupboards. The wives are really excited now. These things require attention. They require us to to do things, right? And he says that after these things, the Gentiles seek. In other words, the pursuit of their life is on these natural things. How are they going to do things? They live only in this natural realm because there's nothing higher, there's nothing bigger that they are living for. They cannot see beyond their own lives, their own families, their own needs. But he says, for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek... First, In other words, He is setting in place the primary thing. The kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these other things, what does it say about them? Shall be added to you. So Jesus says, basically in a nutshell, if you pursue all of these things, look, you've got to work for them, you've got to make them happen, but you can have them, but you've got to work for them and you've got to make them happen. But if you pursue the kingdom of God and His righteousness... You gain two things, because you gain the kingdom of God. You gain intimacy with the king. You gain what Mary had, that one thing which will not be taken from her, plus all the other stuff that God adds. That's the blessed life, the kingdom of God. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. And that is what Mary had right. That is what Martha missed. Martha was doing a lot of good stuff. Let's put it in modern Christianese. Martha was going to the prayer meetings. Martha was early at church every week. Martha was involved in this ministry. Martha was praying every day. Martha was doing this and that. All of these are good things. But in the midst of the busyness, she lost sight of the one thing, that intimacy. Now, I'm sure you understand what I'm talking about here. My wife and I live together. We work together. And we are in each other's faces More than most couples are. And sometimes we look at each other and there's just that moment we realize for days we've just been living past each other. We've been preoccupied by the kids have got to go here and this has to be done in the office and that must be moved there and we've got to go this and what's the diary say about that? And we're preoccupied about all the stuff that we haven't actually had time to just sit down and look to each other's eyes and go, hey, you know what? I really love you. I really appreciate you. Maybe there's a good night. Love you but I'm talking about that connection. I'm talking about that date night where the kids are looked after, nothing else matters, and we can just focus on on the two of us. And this is what I'm talking about in terms of our relationship with God, that sometimes even in the good stuff, even in the quiet times and the church and the prayer and the worship, we can become, become so preoccupied with the doing that we completely miss the point of it all, which is intimacy with the one. Martha simply had the wrong primary thing. The primary thing on a Sunday morning is not how many people we have on the stage or what instruments we use. It's not even what songs we sing. The primary thing is that we're praising Jesus and that His presence is here with us. That's the primary thing. Isn't that what it's all about? Let me give you another example. Matthew chapter 19, from verse 17 to 22. It says this, now as he was going out on the road, one came running and knelt before him. So let's just pause here for a moment. We see something very interesting. This person didn't idly come by, nor did Jesus approach him. But somebody came running to Jesus and knelt before him and said, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. So here we see the stuff. Even Jesus gave the stuff. Have you done these things? Why? Because the stuff are an expression of our heart. See, you can do the stuff without a heart. Amen. You can sing songs without heart. But the flip side is also true. When you have something in your heart, you cannot help but sing praises to God. When you have a desire for the Word of God, you cannot help but spend time in the Word of God. There's a a desire in you, there's a yearning in you that needs to be met, and you make it a priority to meet that need. But then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, What did he say to him? Does anybody know? One thing is needed. One thing. See, this was his one thing moment. And he said to him, one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come back, take up your cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This was the ruler that didn't measure up. Jesus revealed to this rich young man what his primary was. Did you get that? Jesus revealed to this young man what his primary was. He loved money more than he loved God. He was more committed to his comfort than he was committed to loving God and to loving people. He was more interested in his own interests. His primary motivation was not love, It was for his blessing. You see, his question is this. What may I do that I may have everlasting life? And Jesus basically, in a nutshell, saying to him, it was never about you. You are already blessed. Go and give what you have to someone else and go and show some love. But because of his primary, his primary was himself, he could not see anybody else. Jesus was pointing him back to the true primary, the true thing, love, the love of God and the love of people. What is the first and the greatest commandment? Who knows? Love. Matthew 22, 34 to 40. I'm reading it from the New Living Translation. It says this, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, Which is the most important commandment? So what is he asking him? What is the primary thing? What comes first? And then he replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The primary thing. A second is equally important. I like that. The New King James says it this way. The second is like it. In other words, it's the same. It's similar. We are made in the likeness of God. In other words, we're made in His image. The second law is as important as the first law. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. In His final instructions to His disciples, Jesus re-articulates the very same thing. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give you. Very interesting. So a new commandment. It's different from the old one. That you love one another. But Lord, that's already a commandment. We've got to love one another as we love ourselves. Jesus says, no. No, 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 no. This is what makes this a new commandment. The new commandment is not to love others like you love yourself. Jesus said, as I have loved you, so you also love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. You see this principle continuing to work itself out there? The first and most important thing. Love. The second commandment is like it. Love. The new commandment encapsulates it. Love. Our primary task, folks, is love. You see, If I talk to you about making preparation for a visitation of Jesus, most of you would think, I'm going to say to you, we need to pray more. And you know what we do. That is true. We need to pray more. We need to be in His presence more, listening to His voice more. But if I do that to you, it becomes a law and an instruction, devoid of love, and is not truly preparing one's heart for that visitation. Because I can pray... And that doesn't necessarily mean that my heart is caught hold of God's heart. You know that there's a difference. You can come and you pray. I've said this before. Sometimes in the consistency of quiet time, sometimes I have a quiet time and I'm so moved and I'm inspired. Sometimes I'm just so excited and I just want to give God praise in the midst of my quiet time. Other times I'm so deeply moved and, you know, tears and it's just moving time in the presence of God. But there are other times because it's early in the morning when my quiet time looks like this. That's very quiet. And I haven't truly connected with the heart of God because I'm tired. I haven't pressed in. The point I'm wanting to make to you is this. If we're preparing for a visitation, if we are preparing our hearts, what is the work of preparation that we need to do? What is that primary thing? And I want to suggest to you this morning that that primary thing is to focus on your love walk. Our love walk with God and our love walk with one another. Let me move on a little bit here. Love cannot be expressed in a vacuum. You cannot express or experience love all by yourself. To express and to experience love, we need one another. I cannot truly understand the love that I have for God until I understand that love through relationships that I have with people in this world. My family, my friends, my colleagues, my friends, Spiritual family. And here's the the thing here's what Jesus is trying to communicate through all the stories I've been telling you that love is never focused on self, that love is always focused on others. Heidi Baker says it this way love looks like something, love is tangible, love is practical. Love can be seen, and therefore, because it can be seen, it can be demonstrated, and if it can be demonstrated, it can be experienced. It is a fiercely practical thing. Like the rich young ruler, we often focus our lives, we often focus on our own lives at the expense of others, whereas love focuses on others at the expense of self. Do you remember what that scripture was? Matthew 6, verse 25 Therefore, I say to you, do not be worried or preoccupied with or distracted by your life. Our preoccupation with our lives, with ourselves, with our immediate family... ...stops us from experiencing the love of God that He wants us to. As long as our focus remains on our immediate situation... We cannot enter into an experience of God's love where we experience it together as the body of Christ. And the Bible says that by that, all men will know that we are His disciples. So folks, somewhere along the way in our modern Christian walk, we've lost the plot somehow. We've, We've taken the Word of God and every single promise and we've appropriated it primarily for ourselves. Now understand me, that is a good thing. But that is just the start. Yes, God wants us to walk in His... Bro- of course, all of these things. I don't believe... We- I'm not throwing out the baby with the bathwater here. But I am saying that if, if we want to experience what it is that true love is, if we want to experience a greater dimension in the spiritual realm, part of unlocking that rests in understanding and demonstrating love day to day in the natural realm. And I'm... I'm, I'm Specifically saying, not just within the realms of my little family. For how are you going to make a difference in the world if all you're focusing on is your family? Are we not here to be salt and light? And what is the essence of that salt and light in the kingdom of God? It is love tangible, practical, worked out love. Being there for somebody else at your own expense. This is costing me my time, and time is money. It doesn't matter. I put it in. This is giving to somebody in such a way that it really costs me something. You see, the spirit of generosity is not in how much you give. <laughs> the spirit of generosity is revealed in how much you keep. That's why Jesus said of the young woman who gave the money. she said she's given more than all these other people. Well, that makes no sense. She gave hardly anything. No, but she gave all that she had. She expressed tremendous love and tremendous devotion, tremendous sacrifice. Love is always focused on others. And I want to say this to you, in order for us to focus on the one thing, we are going to have to separate ourselves from a number of other things. The problem with Martha was not that she couldn't get hold of Jesus. The problem with Martha is that Jesus was right there, and she was doing other things. Paul gives us a great, a great, a great verse in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. He says, brethren... I do not count myself to have apprehended, in other words, in his pursuit of Jesus. He says, but one thing I do. And what's the one thing he sets his heart to? Forgetting. How many of you can relate to that? I think I I do that pretty well quite often too. One thing I do, I forget. In other words, one thing I do, forgetting, separating from my mind and from my life every other pursuit and all the history and all the baggage and everything else that I worked towards. got to understand Paul when he says this here. He was a zealous Pharisee. And he says, forgetting all of these things, all my works, all my goodness, all my former pursuits, those things which are behind me, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In order order to focus our lives on loving others, we will need to get our focus off of ourselves and back onto the primary thing. You see, preaching a message like this very often, it stirs our hearts for a moment, and it stirs our hearts for a Sunday, but tomorrow morning when that alarm clock goes off again, what happens? I'm immediately distracted by my life. So there's this pursuit going on in my spirit. There's this this desire that's bubbling in, and yet my life is a constant distraction. My life sidetracks me from this pursuit that my heart is longing for. Martha had to shift her primary thing. The rich young ruler lost out because he couldn't shift his primary thing. The disciples were commissioned into ministry with a command setting the precedent of the primary thing. Paul forsook all other pursuits to focus on the primary thing. And finally, folks, if we want to be ready for our time of visitation, we must give ourselves wholeheartedly and unreservedly to the primary thing. And that is to love. This is how we prepare for our time of visitation. It will manifest itself through more prayer. It will manifest itself through greater levels of generosity. It will manifest itself in greater dimensions of obedience and faith. But the primary thing is love. Because get this, you may just be the person that God wants to visit somebody through. How does God work these days, folks? How has He set things up in His church? Through people. Why are we here this morning? Why are we here in church together? As a church together. So that we can minister to one another. Because that's how God does it. Otherwise, Sunday mornings 9.30, we'd all just be sitting on our beds or in our living rooms going, waiting for God to do something. God speaks this morning through me. And God does things through you, and He does things through me, and He will speak through you to somebody. And somebody's visitation might very well come out out of your mouth. Somebody's visitation from God might very well come out of your pocket. Somebody's visitation from God might very well come through your connections, through your expertise, through your gift. But in all of these things, God's visitation can and will only come through love. Because it will be love that will motivate you to speak. You see, if it's not motivated by love, it can't come from God. Because He is love. And so you will be giving in love. And we will be speaking in love. And we will be inviting over in love. And we will be making preparation, please God, in love so that God is able to work in and through that love that is growing inside every one of our hearts to bless the body and to bless one another. You will not know, nor will you be willing or positioned correctly if you allow yourself to be distracted from the primary thing. Remember, we will either focus on our lives at the expense of others, or we will focus on others at the expense of self. You can't have it both ways. Are we willing to pay the price? God articulates this for us beautifully in John 3.16. God so loved the world that he paid a price that he gave. Is that love working in your heart? Are you willing to pay a price? Are you willing to divert your attention from your interests and from what is beneficial or expedient for you in order to bless somebody else? If you are, then that is the first step. Then love can begin working. Where is it that God is calling us to focus as we make preparation for visitation, whatever that may look like? This is the place, folks. Our love walk with God, which will manifest itself in any myriad of ways, in a myriad of different ways. And our love walk with one another, which in the same way will manifest itself in a myriad of different ways. My question to you is this morning. What is it going to be? Are you willing... To take the time to sacrifice for the sake of others, to be a blessing? Or is your pursuit of God, like the rich young rulers, simply for what you're able to gain? In our Western society, we have lost the sense of community that God intended. Our walls go higher. Our friends are made and broken with the click of a button. You, my friend, unfriend, like, nudge, it's, it's superficial, it's not real. I believe God wants to, to, to experience and to feel the real. True visitation, true experience. And He's calling us into that. I want to say this to you, visitation from God very often is not a destination in itself, it is a journey. We're along the way as we apply ourselves to the Word of God and to the call of God, he meets with us, and his grace is sufficient in the midst of situations. As we draw alongside people, there we have visitation. As we give of ourselves, there we have. And they are visitation from God often is, 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 is an immediate thing, but more often, it's a progressive thing. So would you stand with me? I just want to pray over this, with us this morning. Father, I want to thank you today that that your love and the walking with you and relationship with you really is very simple. And, Father, we often complicate it. We often get caught up in busyness, in things, in doing stuff. With zealous zealous hearts, Father God, eager to please you, forgetting that you are already pleased with us because of Jesus and all that you desire is fellowship and intimacy. Father, we this morning want to ask you to help us put first things first, to set the primary thing in place, not another work, not another program, not another meeting or a commitment that I need to make, but simply to help us, God, open our hearts to your love to receive it and open our hearts to give it away. If you desire that from your heart this morning, won't you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, in light of what you've shared with my heart today, I ask you, in the name of Jesus, to reveal your love to me in new and tangible ways. Forgive me, Father, for where I have been preoccupied and distracted by my own life. by my own needs needs. and by my own agendas. agendas. This morning I ask, ask, help me, Father, Father, to set my focus focus on experiencing your love love by giving it away. away. I ask in the name of Jesus Jesus that you would present me with with clear opportunities to share, your love to share your love in practical ways. Help me to recognize them. Give me the grace that I need to take them and the provision I need to meet them. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, Come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za